Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, August the 1st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, a busy day back at camp. We have all the news and updates, including injuries, a scare, and a push for Zach Thomas to finally get into Canton. Plus, we separate the workload in the backfield and take a quick spin around the AFC East. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you guys to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review once you are there. We are now a top five podcast in the Locked On Network, so we really appreciate all the support and all the downloads and all the feedback on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, you can find me there at Wingfield NFL. That was voted the number one Twitter account on Dolphins Twitter and the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. Jason Harina has been pumping out camp updates every single day for us here on the blog, and it's been fantastic getting his news and notes. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And the Mad Dog leads us into our news items for the day, and it involves a couple of Knicks and Dings on the Miami Dolphins' current roster. Up first, probably the least important of all of them. I hate saying that about a certain player, but let's be honest. A.J. Derby, he's in the mix for some reps at tight end. He has been a co-first teamer throughout the course of the first week of practice, but in the long run, I don't think he's the long-term plan at the position. But he has a foot injury that has been preventing him from practicing. The team considers him day-to-day, and they're not sure exactly how long that'll be, but it sounds not too serious. And the bigger news of the day involves right tackle Jawan James. He missed practice today with a calf strain, and this was said to be a precautionary measure. And it gets Sam Young some first-team reps, which I suppose is a good thing because Sam Young will likely have to play at one point or another this year. Swing tackles always get onto the field. And James, he might need something closer to a Mike Pouncey type of treatment because we know how well he can play when he's healthy, but he has to stay healthy. Two out of four years in his career ended on injured reserve. And one more note, speaking of injuries, Cam Wake committed the cardinal sin of football, the sin that would get an undrafted free agent cut on the spot. He hit the quarterback today, the guy in the red jersey, the guy that has the shirt that says stop on it. It proves that Ryan Tannehill is back and everything is normal with the knee because he bounced right up, got off the field, and showed that indestructible characteristic we all loved about him before he had his knee collapsed by a 300-pound man. So luckily, it was nothing more than just a scare. So those are the news from practice today. Let's go ahead and get some nuggets from around practice. That's another Miami Dolphins. One of the things that jumped off the Twitter timeline at first was Armando Salguero talking about the cornerback battle and how he made his suggestion that maybe Cordray Tankersley has the upper hand in that battle above Tony Lippett and the recent emerging Tory McTire. I tend to agree with that. I talked about it on the In the Hunt podcast yesterday with Jake Mendel and Topher McCochran, I think is their last names. And we talked about McTire's emergence and whether or not he was a legit contender for a spot at the starting position. I don't think he is. I think Cordray Tankersley is the heavy favorite and the guy that will ultimately win that job. He just offers so much more than the other two players, in my opinion. And speaking of the defense, 
They had some turnovers down in the red zone during practice today. Ryan Tannehill threw a pick in the red zone, and there was a muffed exchange between Tannehill and Kenyon Drake on his own read play. So I'm sure the offense got chewed for that. But on the interception, Kiko Alonso allegedly ran it back all the way to the house. Kenny Stills would have caught him, according to reports, but Matt Burke jumped onto the field and threw a block for his guy. It's fun to see that. We, we hear about this offense versus defensive competition all the time. It's cool to see the guys fired up and showing that energy and emotion that Antoine Staley talked about on the podcast yesterday, the beat writer for USA Today, talking about how there's a lot of energy at camp and how it's basically a reflection on these coaches and the competition that breeds from the top all the way down to the bottom of the roster. So defense getting their work in the red zone. Talking about the offensive line, something we haven't covered a whole lot on this podcast Adam Gaze spoke about Laramie Tunzel making adjustments in the 2017 season at left tackle because he felt he wasn't up to par. And I think we all would agree with that because we expect Tunzel to be this elite level left tackle, one of the top players in the draft that year. And he mentioned the penalties have to get fixed on Tunzel. And they do feel better about having Josh Sitton on that inside post, helping him out with some things like finding out, you know, different exotic looks, uh, twists and stunts something we've talked about a million times on this podcast. And if Tunzel takes that approach into the season and he's truly, genuinely about it, I think he's going to have a big step forward in year three. That tends to be when a lot of guys take a big step forward. And he has such natural ability. Kevin Dern, friend of the podcast, been on the show multiple times with me, sent me a video with Tunzel taking on Robert Quinn. And just everything that Tunzel does is so fast and so sudden. So I just can't see how he wouldn't get it figured out unless injuries, penalties, work ethic, one of those things has to go wrong for him to not work out, in my opinion. Speaking about Josh Sitton on that inside post, he had a veteran day off. They are really managing his workload. He's been around the block 10 years in the league. Doesn't miss a whole lot of time. Missed a few games the last couple of years. But for the most part, a very steady veteran that the Dolphins will probably manage his practice reps throughout the year just to ensure that he is healthy on a Sunday-by-Sunday basis. The kicking battle, I'm going off of what I hear here. I don't really get a chance to see this stuff. But Joe Shad said that Jason Sanders is kicking well this camp. So that's positive. I think everyone's getting worried about Greg Joseph, the undrafted guy who appears to have misses every single day. But Jason Sanders was drafted, handpicked by Darren Rizzi. That's going to be your opening day kicker. That's the guy you got to focus on. And Joe Shad said he's playing well. Shifting back to the defensive side of the ball, another positive note about Vincent Taylor, who I have been quite a fan of since his time back at Oklahoma State. He plays with such power and such good push up front, and that's why he blocked so many field goals in college. He got one last year in the NFL, a very strong number for a rookie to make that type of impact, but he was effective in the ground game too. One of PFF's better efficiency graded run defenders on defense in 2017 albeit a very small sample size but there was a tweet today from Barry Jackson saying that Vincent Taylor has been stuffing run plays at the line of scrimmage or for a loss on a consistent basis this camp and he could really provide a big surge to the back end of that defensive tackle rotation that the Dolphins really have to have everyone firing on all cylinders. And the last note that I have here, Rashad Jones continues to have a stupendous camp, just being everywhere on the field, flying around to the football. And I think that has something to do with the new defense and the shift towards more of a free roam type of defense for Rashad Jones to play at what he does best and kind of find spots in the passing lane, as well as affect the box on the run defense too. So defense is off to a good start again. It sounds like offense, a bit of a shaky day. And we'll have plenty more to get to on the other side of the podcast, talking about Mike Pouncey's disparaging comments, a possible wide receiver trade, and how will the running back workload work itself out this August. But first, a word from our friends over at Vivid Seats. 
And the Hall of Fame game between the Ravens and Bears takes place tomorrow, and that means the start of the regular season in the NFL is just around the corner. And this season, don't just sit around watching the Dolphins from home when you can be at Hard Rock Stadium in the crowd cheering in person thanks to Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is offering Locked On Dolphins listeners 10% off your first ticket order when you use our exclusive promo code Locked on. That's one word, locked on. New customers only, and the offer is good through the end of this month, August, so you have 31 days to get that order in. Preseason and regular season tickets are available now. The Dolphins kick off their home schedule on September the 9th against the Tennessee Titans, and you can be there for all the excitement to watch Ryan Tannehill go up against Marcus Mariota. Go to vividseats.com or download the app and enter promo code locked on for 10% off your first order. The offseason is over, the NFL is back, and Vivid Seats wants to help you get to the game. Rolling on into segment two here on the podcast, talking about some of the general ideas around Dolphins camp and how we could see things shake out for the Dolphins this season on the actual football field. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was the idea of this running back split. The committee behind Ryan Tannehill with Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, and Kalen Balazs, there seems to be a heavy point of contention that there might be a split between Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake, or that Frank Gore could be the starting running back, and I just don't understand where this is coming from. Kenyon Drake, or as LaDainian Tomlinson calls him, Keon, Keon, Keon Drake, has been one of the most explosive runners in the league at the end of last year. Big plays everywhere, broken tackles, catching the football out of the backfield. And you look at what Adam Gaze's history says in Miami, even when it was Arian Foster, he wanted to pound the rock over and over again with the same guy. Maybe pound the rock's not the right term, but he wanted the same running back on the field and using that versatility in all three phases. He does have three guys that can do all three phases now with Drake, Gore, and Balazs. But Kenyon Drake's going to get first crack. Kenyon Drake is going to be the guy that they want to lean on, the guy that can make the big play. And he's just such a better runner at this point in his career than Frank Gore is. Frank Gore is steady. He's a good veteran. He's a good leader. He'll always be there. He'll carry the football. He'll get you three yards per carry. But if that's your goal, then you're not going to be a very good team. So Kenyon Drake is going to get the lion's share. I would say probably somewhere around 60 to 65%, maybe even 70% in some games of the workload. And the rest of that will go to Frank Gore early. But I think, as I've been saying all offseason long, that Kalen Balazs will start to eat into that Frank Gore workload as the season rolls along. So the idea that Frank Gore is the starter or the primary back is just complete hogwash. And anytime somebody says that, you can just dismiss their opinion right on the spot. And speaking of the running game, I tweeted out something today talking about the Dolphins' defense and defending running quarterbacks because I think back to last year when Tyrod Taylor got us. Two years ago, Tyrod Taylor got us. And I'm looking at the Dolphins' current schedule and who offers some of those similar types of players. The good news is this year, the Dolphins play only two of those guys on the entire schedule. They can really challenge you in the ground game. I'm talking about guys that can run the ball 60, 70 yards for a touchdown like Marcus Mariota in week one and like Deshaun Watson in week eight. And besides that, there's a bunch of guys that have the ability to break the pocket and extend plays in that way and even pick up 20, 15 yards on a scramble like Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck or even Andy Dalton has some of that athleticism in him. Matt Stafford, obviously, Mitch Trubisky. The Dolphins play a lot of these quarterbacks that can scoot a little bit, but just the two guys that are real, real dangerous threats to score on the ground. I think that bodes well for the defense, but just in general, these guys are going to have to 
have this renovation take shape early on because they play all these quarterbacks pretty early on. The only quarterback I would consider to be a statue in this whole group is Tom Brady, and I'm not going to take anything away from Tom Brady even though he cannot run the football whatsoever. So the Dolphins' defensive shift to more dime package, to more defensive backs onto the field, better speed at the linebacker spot, that stuff's going to have to take hold right away. So I'm concerned about that part on defense that might get fixed. Another part I'm concerned about is the seemingly daily reports that Devontae Parker is not getting stuff done the way he should be. And I tweeted this out a couple days ago talking about if Isaiah Ford or one of these other guys emerges as a viable receiving option, that could put Devontae Parker in a position where he's on the trade block because for another team, he presents value in that he's cheap this year. You'd have the fifth year option next year. And then if he ended up busting out, you could tag him for a third year. So there would still be technically three years of club control for someone else to deal with this guy and try to get more out of what potential he has. There was a picture of him today high-pointing a football down the field. And we'll miss that because he can do that. But it's so few and far between you watch him go through drills at practice. It just looks half speed. I, I'm just, I'm I'm not going to give this guy anything until I see it happen on Sundays consistently because he's had two to three game stretches that have been nice. But outside of that, he's mostly been dinged up. He's mostly been ineffective. He's mostly been unable to get off of press coverage or one-on-one coverage and separate when the Dolphins absolutely have to have him do it. So if you can move on from that and obviously cut cost and salary as well because Isaiah Ford is a you know a rookie minimum type of contract compared to the guy in the fourth year of a first round pick deal and you can get out from that deal right away and you can bring up some other guys and actually develop your roster unlike Devontae Parker who seems to be a progress stopper at this point. And last nugget here on this portion of the podcast, we put it up on LockedOnDolphins.com as well as Jason Harina's practice camp report from today, August 1st. Check that out. It's on the feature main page of LockedOnDolphins.com. He does a fantastic job for us pumping those out. But there's another article talking about Mike Pouncey taking shots at the Miami Dolphins saying that he is glad to, quote, be on a team that has a chance, end quote. And I just found that funny because, yeah, I do believe in the Chargers very strongly this year. They're actually my Super Bowl pick in the AFC this year. Just going off of Phillip Rivers, that loaded roster, and they're already starting to get guys falling down to injuries once again. But Mike Pouncey falls in that same mold where, dude, are you even going to play 16 games this year? And if you do, are you going to be good? Because you weren't that thing last year and you weren't healthy in 2016 either. So it's just funny that these guys that leave Miami seem to be taking these pot shots. And maybe in three years, we'll look back and say, okay, they were right. Adam Gaze was the next Chip Kelly, and we were all wrong. I don't believe that to be the case right now. So As far as it goes for right now, just tell Mike Pouncey to shut the fuck up. All right, we have more to get to on the podcast, including a spin around the AFC East. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Rolling on into the third segment of the podcast, we have more practice to come this week, but the next time you guys hear from me, there will be a football game on that night, of course, talking about tomorrow's Hall of Fame game sort of a football game between the Bears and the Ravens. And it actually happens to be Ryan Tannehill's one-year anniversary from the day we do not speak of. And I'll have a piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com encompassing his entire 2016 season and talking about the hope that is Ryan Tannehill returning in 2018. So check out that piece up tomorrow on LOD.com. But I wanted to take a minute and talk about the AFC East because I saw a tweet 
from a former podcast buddy. His name is Gary Smith, former co-host of the AFC East Bros podcast, actually the first podcast I ever did. So I have a very soft spot in my heart for those two guys. Gary and Kyle Smith, the brothers from New Jersey area, both Jets and Bills fans respectively. But he tweeted out a, I think a beat reporter update from Buffalo Bills practice talking about how Kyle Williams had three sacks on one series beating left guard or right guard Vlad Dukas on three straight plays. And if you guys don't know who Vlad Dukas is, he was the Jets guard for a few years. I think he went somewhere else and now he found himself in Buffalo and he has been a bit of a nightmare player for the most part of his career. And he is going to be either Richie Incognito's replacement on that left side. Yeah, he is. he's the left guard. Okay, let's get that corrected. He is the left guard, Richie Incognito's replacement on the left side. That team has three new offensive linemen they're working in. Obviously, the rookie from last year, the right tackle, they moved over to replace Cordy Glenn. They feel good about him. But as far as guard and center, Incognito and Eric Wood were good players, and they did not find better players to replace them with. So that's going to be a problem. This offense was predicated on running the ball behind that beefy offensive line. And Tyrod Taylor was a big part of that too, because anytime your quarterback can keep the football and sneak out the back end, that obviously keeps the defense much more honest. And this team with the lack of weapons, the lack of quarterback play, the lack of offensive line, they're, they're going to be the worst offense in the NFL. And these guys are the ones that we should be discussing as a three-win outfit not the Miami Dolphins. Spinning on over to New York, the New York Jets. Sam Darnold finally signed his rookie deal, but it sounds like he has been struggling in camp. A guy that had serious turnover issues at USC. Very bad ball security while he was there. He's a young guy. It's going to take him a while to grow and learn, but I expect that we won't see him until week nine. Probably going to get Josh McCown in week two, and my expectation is that Teddy Bridgewater is traded before the season starts, and they will eventually work in the McCown to Darnold replacement type of scenario there for the Jets. I think they're a couple of games better than the Bills and definitely third place in the AFC East. And then spinning it up top to the top of the division, the New England Patriots over in Foxborough. I don't trust anything I see negative about this team, whether it's these camp reports or locker room rip tiffs or whatever it might be. As long as Brady and Belichick are both there, to me, they are a 12-4 and four outfit until proven otherwise, eight straight years of 12 wins. And Sony Michelle had a couple of fumbles in practice, and I guess that's a positive sign because if you fumble the ball as a running back, especially as a rookie, especially under a coach that has an old-school mentality, you might not see the field as much as you would otherwise. And I find Michelle to be extremely explosive and extremely dangerous for a Patriots offense that should know how exactly to use him. And just before we get out of here on the podcast today, we have to announce a new winner for the preseason tickets. I'm talking about at Bleed Aqua and Orange. You are the new winner of the two preseason tickets to the August 9th contest between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium. Ryan Tannehill's return. So go ahead and hit me up on Twitter and let me know that you got this message that you are the winner of those tickets. We'll see you at the game. As for our schedule, we have practices on Thursday and Friday, same time, 8.30 Eastern. Then the Dolphins have their annual scrimmage at 11 a.m. Eastern at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday morning. Sunday is an off day, back at it Monday and Tuesday, and then off Thursday, or Wednesday, excuse me, and then a football game on Thursday that Mr. At Bleed Aqua and Orange is going to be going to. Catch my piece tomorrow up on LockedOnDolphins.com talking about Ryan Tannehill. It's a big one. It's got plenty of gifts and everything you want to see inside. 
And as for today's podcast, that is going to do it for me. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of Dolphins Training Camp on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Enjoy the Workaholics theme song. Tricks, tricks, tricks. He's hot.